Hi, this is Stephen Krein. I'm here with my podcast partner, Dan Sullivan, for the Free Zone podcast. And I am really excited to have our second episode with Reagan Archibald, my fellow Free Zoner and health expert that if you haven't listened to that last episode, you should listen to that first. But we are going to dig deep into Dan's latest thinking tool around age reversal mindsets. And I think it's a really good follow-up to our last conversation about where we are in the state of taking control and being in charge of our own health. Mm -hmm. Hi, Dan. Hey, Reagan. How are you doing? Steve, can I ask you a question about that? When do you remember that the term age reversal suddenly became a topic, not a one-time topic, but it started being explored. It tended to be connected to all sorts of things. Can you remember? Because we've been talking for 23 years, pretty well nonstop, so. Well, you've been talking about, and I remember doing the Lifetime Extender in like 1998, and you had this crazy number that seemed so unreasonable of living to 156. I was 28 at the time, and I thought it was just <laughs> ludicrous and absurd and crazy to even think about that. I think you're probably 50-ish, right? 51, 52. Yeah, it's 54. 54. And so it was so outlandish. And reversal didn't even, you know, wasn't part of the conversation extension or longevity was. And I think it was a bigger conversation, not mainstream, but within clearly certain circles, in particular, when I launched Startup Health 11 years ago, it was a big topic among entrepreneurs and innovators. But it wasn't a mainstream topic. And it definitely wasn't talked about in ordinary conversations at dinner or in family conversations at holidays. Until very recently, in fact, I think inside of a strategic coach in our community, especially Free Zone, I think more and more, it's almost now become a part of our quarterly conversation mm-hmm. that has crept into just a normal feeling that we're just talking about sharing what we all have learned and what we all know and what innovations or innovators are doing in this new area of age reversal. Yeah. Yeah. Reagan, what about yourself on this? Because I think we were talking from day one about this because you got me on your podcast, I think almost within the first six months after you joined Coach in 2013. So I think we were talking about it. Well, my first introduction, that's how I got fascinated with Eastern medicine is because the emperor was looking for immortality. And that's one of the ways that Chinese medicine evolved was was looking for that that elixir that would promise immortality. And so I've, I've heard it in that context, but from a scientific perspective, it wasn't until about, yeah, maybe 2012, 2013 is when it became hot. Aubrey de Grey, uh, you know, his work has been very influential for getting it to the forefront. I think that's probably when I first started seeing it from a more of a scientific perspective. Yeah. Well, the big thing, as far as I can see, I mean, there's been a technological wildcard that really has produced the main progress that I can see. And that's been the application of artificial intelligence. People say, artificial, what's that? And I said, really, 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 really fast computers. Okay, so, <laughs> so we'll just talk about it. I mean, these are amazingly fast computers and they get faster by the year. But what they've been able to do is to do with computer code They've been able to do testing as if they're doing testing with biological substances. And the rule last August was the time it takes to do a manual test with the actual materials in the laboratory 
they can now do 10,000 differentiated tests in the same amount of time. And one reason why the vaccine showed up so quickly when COVID started, I mean, at the beginning, I was listening to government officials say this, Americans just should put up with the fact that it's going to be three years before we have any kind of vaccine. And they had it in six months. You know, they basically, Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson, all of them were coming out with their own versions. And the reason is, is because they had been using the super fast computing for the last three years and they just kind of switched programs. The other thing is they've all gone virtual as far as lab talking to lab, hmm. specialists talking to specialists. They've gone sideways really, really fast. So I think that those two things, two of them are technological breakthroughs that have speeded up experimentation and they've speeded up collaboration. The last thing is that collaboration piece is the most underappreciated part of it because for decades, like 30, 40, 50 years now, mRNA and the technology underpinning the vaccine has been in academia and struggled many years to be able to even be applied in humans. And there were lots of kind of tweaks and innovators along the way that kind of persevered through to get to a point where a decade ago it could get backed by venture capitalists mm-hmm. who would fund these companies, Moderna and BioNTech, to be ready for the moment that you just described. And so the collaboration for decades and then ultimately the collaboration in the last six months of what you just described between NIH and BioNTech and Moderna and Pfizer and the governments and all these things was all underpinning the word collaboration. And I think the biggest lesson in all this is nothing can be done alone. You can't do this in silos. It's not going to be any one person, one organization, one solution. It's going to be collaborators working together to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what's happening, the other thing was the crises, you know, that things really speed up when there's a crisis. And in my lifetime, so I'll be 78 in a couple of months, So I was born two weeks before the Normandy invasion, a very important event in the Second World War. And growing up, you know, I was a kid and I was listening to stories about great people, great events, you know, big historical things. And my notion of what had happened right when I was born compared to what was happening when I was in my 50s and 60s, it was like the whole world was going to just become a really comfortable, convenient, global shopping mall, you know, and life was going to be shopping mall life. And then all of a sudden we got revisited by history, you know, and in my lifetime, this is the biggest historical event, the two years of COVID with all the the other things that went on around that. This is the biggest event in my life. And I think it was that big event, which suddenly gave a free hand to all of the trailblazers. I think the trailblazers were given a a blank check by governments and they were given blank checks by the stock market, by the venture capital market. I think the thing that you mentioned, Steve, when the venture capital market gets really interesting, that's when the innovation takes off. Well, that's when it can really get the resources to bear to do what it ultimately needs to do, which is become commercializable and scalable. In fact, one of the biggest surprises that I've seen over the last decade was the lack of great innovation, great ideas stunted because they never were able to get to that next level and level up 
to attract the capital and the resources they need to get commercialization and scale. Often it's said that the innovation that we need for a lot of the biggest health challenges of our time are sitting somewhere, somewhere locked on a shelf or locked in a room or locked in a lab or locked in a head of someone. And ultimately the whole goal we have is to unlock it. But haven't had a chance to hear from Reagan and I want to kind of come back to his perspective because he's got a very unique and I think important perspective on all of this. Yeah, and I think a great example you can give Reagan of how something was developed but not known and then suddenly got moved right into the marketplace was the peptide revolution. Steve, we weren't at the last Freeze on Frontier, but Dan created a really fascinating new tool. I think you ended up naming it the Profit Maximizer, is that right? Yeah. Profitability maximizing. Yeah, profitability yeah. maximizing. I like Dan to get the practice tool done first, and then I can come way in next month in my free zone <laughs> session. So, <laughs> yeah. We like to be part of the creators. The critiquing of my creativity does not start until Steve is part of the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you have these capabilities that, you know, peptides have been hanging around forever. And we've had Russian scientists, Dr. Kavassian, bringing those to the forefront for the Russian military who are exposed to nuclear reactors and saying they didn't get cancer. Athletes, cosmonauts. Yeah, it's been used, uh, peptides have been used as a tool in a phase of deception where people haven't seen it, what it can do, but now it's really come to the forefront, especially due to the fact in my uh, organizations, we found that with COVID, people couldn't come into the clinic. And so we said, well, we can't provide a lot of regenerative medicine therapies, but we have peptides and the pharmacy has to send it to your house anyways. And so we can work with you no matter where you're at. You don't have to travel here anymore. And suddenly we took something that was, you know, unknown and kind of still in that preposterous notion. It became plausible. And what's the next? Plausible, possible, provable. Provable, yeah. Then it became impossible. They're like, okay. And then they started using peptides and then the provability came in. And then we could package it and it became profitable, but then it was palpable, which is kind of the peak of the tool. Yeah, yeah. Is that it's a hot number. Yeah, now. um, Available and it's going viral. Big time. And so we're seeing that now people are noticing massive shifts. And when we're looking at their phenotypic age from the blood work, now we're seeing that we can get the age down by about seven years on average in six months of time. And so now we're saying, okay, it's provable. There's evidence to back it up, but this is, you know, part of the fine tuning that will go on Mm -hmm. in in some of your mindsets. You know, you have that one of your mindsets is figure out what needs fixing and get that fixed immediately because there's nothing that we can do when you've already had the heart attack. It's like damage has been done or when you have the stroke and you've got some ischemic tissue in your brain. Yeah. We have a handout with this particular session and it's called age reversal mindsets. And this is sort of a patchwork quilt of different, you know, considerations that I've been able to collect just being around people who are, making a specialty out of age reversal in some part of healthcare. But the two first ones, I think, are really crucial ones. And the first one is getting tested. I'm now convinced that the number one cause of death in the world is being caught by surprise Mm -hmm. with news that you could have known 15 years ago, but you didn't get checked up. Yeah. Every day we see that. 
killed by surprise, you know. I even, you know, Babs and I are famous inside of our own company. They're always getting blood tests. They're always getting checked up. And I have team members said, you know, I wouldn't want to know any of that stuff that you're finding out. And I said, don't worry, you will. You will find out. I said, don't you worry, you're not going to miss anything. It's just a question whether when it appears, it's okay, you know? <laughs> yeah. That mindset, look, I, I think, you know, it's interesting. The first mindset is actually about sleep. The second one is about the testing. But what's interesting, Dan, is that last piece of the mindset you just mentioned is actually, and I don't see it on the mindset worksheet, sorry to be critiquing it in midstream here, but I think there's an underlying or an overlying kind of mindset across all 10 of these, which is your, you know, the idea of wanting to be in charge of, yeah. of it versus mm -hmm. being either a victim or like you just described, waiting to find out somewhere down the line. Because if you don't want to know, then you can not take sleep or not take quarterly testing very seriously right? or stay committed to it. Yeah, I just had an example of, uh, you know, I mean, and more and more, and it's a hazard because I've got a, a GP here in Canada because I'm part of the Canadian system. And, you know, and a lot of our U.S. work is done out of Chicago. You know, I say Canada's got a two-tier system, a two-tier medical system. And they said, Oh, I've heard about the government system. Is there another tier? And I said, yeah, it's called Air Canada. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, Air Canada goes to New York. It goes to Boston, Chicago, Houston. You know, that's the second tier. And they said, is that covered by insurance? I, oh, no, 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 no. You write the check for it. But it's so funny because I'm ADD and I've got a prescription for Adderall, which works fine for me. Not everybody who has ADD and off the shelf, you know, there's off the shelf chemicals that will actually do it. And I've, it's been about 11 years and I've had no side effects whatsoever. And I'm still basically on the same prescription, the amount uh, as 11 years ago. But just to be sure that I don't get caught short, I have one prescription on the U.S. side, and I have another prescription on the Canadian side. And the doctor who prescribes it in Chicago said, you know, you shouldn't be taking this. There's so much papers about what Adderall does. And then because we have a, a global concierge service, Babs and I do, she found out that I was getting double prescribed for Adderall. And she called up and she says, this is terrible what you're doing. And I, I said, can I ask you a question? Do you have ADD? <laughs> and she said, no. And I said, so how do you know about ADD? How do you know about what? And she said, well, I've read the papers, the warning papers. I said, you don't know what it's like to get up in the morning and everything is noise and everything is a 10 ring circus. And I said, you don't know that. I said, you're one of those spelling bee people, you know? And I said, you did exactly the homework you were supposed to do. And I said, you have no idea what it's like to be in this and what this one pill does to slow down my day, to get things simple and clear. So I said, I don't know when you're going to take my prescription away. So I've stockpiled two years supply. Now that's being in charge. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to depend on somebody doing it. And more and more, I'm noticing that the MDs, I have to bite my tongue because I know what's in the silo next to them, the silo after that, the silo after that. So this being in charge, I think you're right, Steve. I think that this is the major mindset thought for the entire lifetime extender program is 
you've been under control. You've been under someone else's control. You did this with your career by becoming an entrepreneur. Why don't you just go full bore for it? Yep. Right. Yep. Same with your health. Yep. Yeah. And then you can look at your first one of better sleep, exercise, and diet and recognize that it all starts with that. Yeah. I love that that's the first one, Dan. Well, it's lifestyle. You have total control over your lifestyle. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you call it the three basics. And before we blow past it, because I think a lot of people do kind of think they kind of get it or do it. And if we could spend just a moment on the yeah. mindset, because I do think that you could do all the other things, but if you're not sleeping well and getting enough sleep, if you're not exercising and not eating well, a lot of the other things really just don't matter. Yeah. I know three things about those three, sleep, exercise, and diet. I said, when I don't sleep well, I want sugar. Yeah. When I don't exercise, I want sugar. When I don't eat right, I want sugar. And when I've had some sugar, I want more sugar. Mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah. And I think sugar is cancer's favorite diet. Age. Yeah. Advanced glycation end products from sugar. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. Oh, yeah. Right there. Yeah. And I said, uh, so I don't want my life controlled by sugar. So you do those three things. Cancer, I mean, you get sugar and somebody who's got cancer, the cancer just goes crazy. Loves Loves sugar. Every chronic disease loves sugar. (laughs) And I think mindsets one and two, you know, getting testing, having better sleep, exercise, and diet, always improving those. You mentioned something in the last podcast, Dan, about the motivation creates momentum. When you have a marker that that you can manage, you know, I, I just tested my phenotypic age and I'm a 33 year old biologically and a 43 year old body from one of the tests. I know there's a lot you can do, but no. but I look at that and it's same thing. I said, okay, great. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm going to just ramp it up a little bit. I want to, no. what would keep me from getting in my twenties, but it goes back to the neglect and how many people neglect their health because they're waiting for someone else to tell them what to do about their health. Mm-hmm. It's no different than in choosing to be an entrepreneur. You've, Like you talk about, Dan, the very first thing you, you decide is you're going to take responsibility for everything that you do and your paycheck is not guaranteed until you add value to the marketplace. It's, it's the same thing in your health. You're not going to increase value in your health until you really own it and, and own what time you go to bed, own what you eat, and own how you move your body. Yeah, and you're not going to need to know what you know with a a lot of what I would say collaboration with other people who are Mm like-minded because they're finding out different things that you're finding, but all of you want to share everything that you know with other people. You know, I mean, it goes back to capitalism, you know, the fundamental definition of capitalism is that it's an ever-increasing system of increasing trust and cooperation among strangers, Mm -hmm. among strangers. You know, that was the great breakthrough with capitalism, but all areas of knowledge are becoming ever-increasing systems of increasing cooperation and trust among strangers. You know, it's a really interesting phenomenon, and we're at an epic historical shift. I mean, you can go back to probably Gutenberg, you know, and suddenly... Printed knowledge becomes mm-hmm. widespread with people. You know what they found when Gutenberg started producing? That everybody was farsighted. Oh. And the glass industry, the spectacle industry, went through the roof because of printing, because people were used to looking long distance. Right. And all of a sudden, there was just this explosion of 
glassworks and optical lenses and everything all across Europe because people could get alone by themselves and read a book, but they couldn't see it because they were farsighted. Yeah. So let's keep going and touching on these, if not quickly stop yeah. on, on one or two of them. But the third one is around Fitness 50 at age 100. Can you elaborate a little yeah. bit on that? I mentioned earlier your 156 comment yeah. many years ago that you've stuck to and even written a book about. Uh, 35 years. I've been consistent with it for 35 years. The big thing is that age reversal is now possible. And we've seen He's not a doctor, but Sinclair, a researcher at Harvard, Mm -hmm. George Church at Harvard. We have a doctor in Carlsbad, California, who's discovered the use of very small stem cells, which you're born with, but which are dormant when the baby's born. And they stay dormant pretty well your whole life, except if there's a health crisis and then they come alive. And he's learned how to turn them on with a laser. So we're going back for our second treatment in uh, about a month. But his really interesting thing, he's got athletes who are retired for 15 years who are getting back in the same shape they were when they were at the top of their game using his methods. It's a very, very interesting thing. And he's teamed up with David Sinclair at Harvard. So they're going to be writing papers and then testing them at Harvard. You know, so it's a very interesting thing. But there's just all sorts of things that are indicating that if you choose to do this, the means will be available for you to achieve it. And we're not used to this age reversal thing. So to have an entire group, and we have 122 signed up now, you know, as we talk today, we have 122 in our first lifetime extender program. From how many different countries or parts of the world, just from representation standpoint? I haven't really looked at that. I only bring it up because it's perspectives, right? Because I think you're building the core network here Mm -hmm. of different perspectives. They're common thing is that they're active in strategic coach. But the big thing is I wanted to give the entire community a common goal of something that they can meet, a goal and compare notes as they meet that goal. Mm -hmm. So it's to be in top fitness and health for a 50-year-old. Now, you may be 30. Well, you may find out that even at 30, you don't have some of the capabilities that a fit 50-year-old would. And obviously, if you're older, that's probably true. But one thing is there's 85,000 centenarians in the United States, 100 or older, and there's not one of them that has the physical and medical capabilities of a 50-year-old, okay? So the big thing is you can actively work today, tomorrow, next quarter, achieve goals to actually reverse your age and get to 50. And then I'm sure that technology and medicine will keep you there. By the time you get there, the means will be there to maintain yourself there. You know, this effectively puts an end to retirement. Yeah, this is a fun one. Dan, some of the research I've been doing is I've looked at the world record holders, centarians for sprinting. Charles Euster, he's a retired dentist out of the UK. He actually ran the 200 meter dash in 55.48 seconds. And the average 50-year-old runs it in 60 seconds. So there is a little bit of evidence and proof, you know, and you're using your yeah. scale that actually this can happen. You can have the fitness 50 at age 100. Yeah. I mean, we know certain things that the muscles change with age. You know? For example, the oldest miler is Emin Coughlin. I think he 
raced at Boston College or something like that. But he was 45 and he did a mile in under four minutes. But nobody older than that has done it. And the reason is the composition of the body actually changes. Yeah. And you have the effect of those short burst muscles when you're younger because the mile is just a sprint now. Right. You know, this isn't a long race. This is just a four minute sprint. So that's one thing. So we have this structure right in the middle and we're just gonna find out more and more and more about what this means, this fitness 50 and age 100 and what supports you all the way. Say you're 50 and you get into fitness 50 and then you say next 50 years, no drop in fitness or healthcare. And people say, well, I don't know if that's possible. And I said, yeah. That mindset shift was pivotal for me when we did the Lifetime Extender when I was 28. I'm in much better shape now than I was then. I was overweight. I wasn't sleeping. The relationship piece of this, I think, which is also important, all play a role yeah. in that mindset, whether you're 28 or you're, or you're 78. Yeah. This next one is created what needs fixing checklist. Yeah. <laughs> Very important kind of aha moment and truth-telling moment. Yeah. And the big thing is what are you prevented to do because something is off, you know, something's not working. So in my case, I'd like to run again. I haven't run for 15 years because of my cartilage tear in my left knee. So it's not that I want to fix my cartilage. The truth is I want to run again without any worries or with a complete sense of confidence. So it's not about what's wrong with you that needs fix. It's what was right about you before that isn't right now and you want to get back to right. So I think that's more the performance-based rather than repair-based mentality. Regan, anything to add there? No, I love that one because people wait too long and they learn to live with poor range of motion, poor flexibility, and we all learn to live with pain. And we think pain is part of aging, but it's absolutely not. That's like driving your car through the desert with the check engine light on and hoping it doesn't break down. It's not a smart way to live. Yeah, I had a 67-year-old client, and he was in a breakout group when we, you know, he first talked about what needs fixing, because I have an exercise for that. And he said, you know, I looked at this, and there's just nothing. And then he says, of course, I am blind in one eye. <laughs> and then he said, and I can't really run anymore because both my knees are shot by skiing. He said, I've had too many skiing accidents. And he went down the list. He had about five things. But he said, I mean, he said, I'm 67. I mean, my doctor says I'm actually good for my age. And I said, well, that's what doctors say. And I said, the one thing you know, if you're talking to a doctor and he, he or she is the same age, is that you're probably going to outlive him or her. True. They're True. the worst shape of the world. I mean, one profession that's absolutely the, in the worst physical shape is doctors, you know. Doctors and nurses. Yeah. yeah. It's so, so crazy when you just look at who's treating you. <laughs> yeah. Expand your age reversal network plays right into that, right? Because, yeah. because mm -hmm. it's a, an observation that I've made even recently as we were caring for my dad is the reality of the fact that you can't do this alone and you got to look at who's around you, not just professionally or, or knowledge-wise or expertise-wise, but family and people. And yeah. so are you alone on that healthy living, healthy eating, healthy sleeping journey, or is your partner or your family or your closest people to you on the same track as you are not? Yeah. You know, and are they almost angry when you talk about reversing your age? Right. You know, do they get really you know, very uncomfortable if you talk about living a longer time, you know, 
And uh, I think the reason is because this is a capability that's entirely new to human existence after, you know, whatever they measure back when humans were first identifiably different from every other creature. You know, no one really has the exact answer on that, but everything is about that you're going to die, and wisdom is learning how to die gracefully. Yeah. Yep. The next five, and we won't do justice by hitting all of them in depth, but I want to at least cover them. The four freedoms. You know, it's by the way, there's so much parallelism here between entrepreneurship and taking charge of your health. Yeah. Well, entrepreneurs are going to be the vanguard of this movement. Yeah. Because everything's elective. Everything's elective. So kind of like the decision to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. 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 It's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Four freedoms of time, money, purpose, and relationships and avoiding retirement-minded people and thinking. I think two go together. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, everything's for expanding your freedom. You know, I mean, freedom from pain, that's a real freedom. Freedom from loss of energy, that's a real freedom. Freedom from same old, same old. You know, there's nothing new, you know, everything like that, you know. So really, really being curious, alert, you know, responsive, resourceful, doing things faster, easier, cheaper, bigger. You know, you got to be in really great health and fitness to pull those things off. Yeah. Well, even Charles Euster, who I mentioned earlier about breaking the 200-meter world record as a 97-year-old, he says retirement's a bad word. He thinks we need a, the society as a whole has done, done wrong to elderly people and put them out of use. And so uh, he thinks we need to put them back into use. So I couldn't agree more. And, and uh, I find the patients that I enjoy working with are the ones that have big goals. I've got an 80-year-old patient named Lonnie who's doing a documentary of him climbing the Grand Tetons this summer. He wants me to join him on the trek. So yeah, I think ambition, if you're around people who are like-minded, you're going to pick up on some of their ambition and motivation to live a long time. Otherwise, you have to be totally supplying your own energy to keep going. And we hang around with other people and we get energy from the group. You know, yeah. So we can be very, very focused on certain things and that they're focused on certain things and we share information. So the learning and the mastery and the progress all happens 10 times faster if you have a group. The lifetime extender group is going to be a, a hundred times, the, a thousand times the energy than what you have now just by being in the group. And this is what I've told a lot of my friends in Strategic Coach. They're behind the scenes like, what do you think? Should I join the group? Should I not? And I'm like, absolutely, because you're going to get some momentum that you would not have anywhere else. You can't do this alone. And so I'm so happy about the group you've decided to create, yeah. Dan, because it's, it's going to be massive. We'll let the Tom syndrome take over. Do you know what the Tom syndrome is? Mm-hmm. Terrified of, of missing shit. Missing, you know, yeah. So we'll, we'll just—they'll <laughs> hear it back. They'll see videos. They'll get testimonials, and they'll be <laughs> terrified of missing shit. I'll let that do all the enrollment work. <laughs> so that's the ninth mindset around being up to date on breakthroughs and being plugged in and engaged with the expertise of other people. Yeah. We skipped one on the strong brain, heart, muscles, lungs, and bones, which I think we've talked at length about. But this last one, enjoying being a growing younger map maker. And I think it's a great way to wrap up this episode, Dan. Can you explain that? And then I'd love to hear Reagan's perspective. 
Well, I went to a college where I read the great books of the Western world, which started being written 700 BC. First book is Herodotus, a Greek historian. And as far as we know, the use of the alphabet in languages only started around 800 BC. And Herodotus was the first person, and Greek was one of the languages that had an alphabet. And the alphabet is like the discovery of the microchip or the DNA because think of the Egyptians with cuneiforms. And if you were educated, you had to memorize a thousand ideograms, like a lot of the Eastern Asian. Mm-hmm. Here, you got 26 letters and they're totally interchangeable. So I read it and everything is about, you know, for the last 2,700 years, knowledge and wisdom is trying to get wise before you get old. You know, it's all that you're going to get older and older, but can you actually become smarter and can you be at peace with your life and find your life meaningful before you die? And that's been the story. It's the narrative forever. And so what we have is an entirely new continent that we've just discovered called age reversal, and there's no maps. There's no maps. I mean, it's like the early maps of the Atlantic coast. If you followed them, you would be sure to hit a rock (laughs) because they were so inexact. So my sense is that we have a chance to actually create maps of entirely new territories. There's going to be hundreds of mindsets that are unique to the community experience of actually getting younger. And I think that's pretty neat. So, Reagan, I'd love to hear both of your perspective on that and, and maybe a wrap-up insight from the episode as we close it out. I think it's been a fascinating conversation, but I'm really interested in what, the work that you do in that last comment about being a young math maker. Well, I think we have to start looking at aging as we're creating a skill to become younger. So if you look at it as a capability, and Dan's, uh, you know, your four C's are a perfect example of this, but if we can make age reversal a capability and a skill that just gets stronger and stronger as we go, then there's no way that we can lose in this game. It will be actually really fun and fascinating and motivating. And so you want other people to play the game with you. And that's where Strategic Coach is such a perfect environment for because we're all entrepreneurial-minded human beings who love to make a difference in the world. And I think this is one of the biggest differences we can make, but we've got to make it a skill. That's that's what I get out of that is uh, your growth is directly correlated to your capabilities. But first you got to make the commitment and then you have to have the courage to move forward through it. And then the confidence will show up at the very end once you've got those capabilities and that creates the momentum. So, so what I got out of this is my wrap up is I realize more than ever is that the mindset drives behavior. And that's what I've learned from Dan for years. But if you don't have the mindset to start reversing your age, then you're going to live with premature mortality. So you're literally walking around with chronic diseases. 60% of Americans have chronic diseases they're walking around with. And we're dying at a younger age while still living. So (laughs) why don't you just die fast, live fullest while you can, and then let's all die super fast at the end. That's the goal. Steve? I think the idea, I'm going to go back to the concept from the last episode around being in charge of your own health and longevity Mm -hmm. begins with that commitment you just mentioned, Reagan. And I feel as though these eight mindsets are the whole roadmap to a conversation that you have to make a choice to have. And 
it's not going to be comfortable. I think it's going to make people very uncomfortable, actually, in mm-hmm. ways, right? Because even though you're having a conversation about living, you're having a conversation about death or avoiding death yeah. or extending it out as far as, as you possibly can. So I'm very interested in this framework of the beginning mindset or the overarching mindset being that commitment and that decision that you're making mm-hmm. to be in charge. And then sleep and all those other things become really easy because they fit. But for me, like everything, and Brendan, you said, you know, we talk about it, she's a coach all the time. We talk about it startup health. Mindset matters most. Yeah. 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 You know, and my feeling is that to be doing something utterly new at age 78 is a real treat, you know, like you're breaking new ground. What I've noticed as I get older, life has to get more exciting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You got to break the routine. Well, you've handled a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that once intrigued you and interested you, but you've done that stuff. This seems to me like totally new territory for the rest of my life. You know, and people say, you really think you're going to live to 156? And I said, I know I won't if I don't have the gold. And I I said, I do know that. And they said, well, I just think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I said, well, not me. I'm gone. You know, (laughs) it's the the messes I leave behind. That's, but what do I care? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and there's some humor in this. There's some humor in this because we're weird about this stuff, you know, and let's just face it straight on. And let's just get the maximum amount of clear, useful information as we possibly can. Well, this was a great episode. I think a wonderful launch to the Lifetime Extender program, Dan, and how there are great parallels between entrepreneurship and taking control of your own health and not expecting anybody to hand you a paycheck as an entrepreneur is the same as not expecting anybody to hand you a bunch of extra years just because you asked. So this is great and enjoyable conversation. Regan, fantastic, very timely partnership here for these two episodes. I love them together as a package. So I'm hoping people are able to listen to both in order and it's really great to have you i look forward to having you back on one of the upcoming free zone frontier podcasts dan as always enjoyable way to kind of kick off springtime with you and the two new episodes take care everybody take care thank you very much reagan thanks everybody thanks dan thanks steve